Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 16 today. Um, Like we have done in the weeks before, we're going to be following through the text, and uh, so I I really uh, just encourage you, keep your Bible open to at least this main passage, um, because uh, we're going to just be understanding and opening up God's Word today. And uh, let's just start reading verse chapter 16. Um, Chapter 16, verse Verse um, 16 is where we'll start, start off today. It says this, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, and cry, she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought, brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate for customs that are not lawful for us, as, as Romans to accept and practice. The crowd joined in in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer, to keep, to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. And you thought you were having a bad day. <laughs> Can I just ask you here this morning, who's having a bad day? Anybody having a bad day? Yeah, okay, wow, that's, more, that's a little more than I expected. I will, I will just tell you, um, don't feel sorry for us, but this morning I woke up at 1 o'clock and our dog had died. So <laughs> it's a bad day, okay? And I did cry. I might cry more today, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, we had a really special dog, and, and so that's why Precious isn't here with, with our, our oldest daughter, Zoe, because, man, that dog was, was special to us, wasn't she? But... Uh, Man, it reminds me, as I read a passage like this, that, man, no matter how bad your day is going, it can always get worse, can it? And um, we're here, you know, we're breathing, we're healthy for the most part, and um, I got clothes on, okay? I mean, at the very least, if you compare it to them, guess what? They didn't. They didn't. And they were chained in this prison for something that they did not deserve. Think about that. As you go to this passage, you just think about what just happened here. Man, they were in prison for doing something that was good. Most of the time when, when bad things happen to us, most of the time we can blame ourselves for that. 
if we're going through financial problems. Usually it's because oh, we didn't manage our money right, or we didn't, we didn't work hard enough, or we weren't faithful enough, right? A lot of times that's the reason for it. Maybe if you're going through a health problem, maybe you're not eating right, maybe you're not exercising, you can blame yourself for a lot of things. But man, you look at Paul and Silas, they're like, they were serving Jesus. They were in the center of God's will. And if you buy into the health and wealth and prosperity gospel kind of stuff, this passage right here, will mess your theology up. Because what were they doing? They were serving God. They were preaching the gospel. They were driving out a demon. They were releasing a, a, a prisoner, this little girl who, who was demon-possessed. They released her from, from basically slavery because she was a fortune teller, because she had an evil spirit, and people liked to ask her what the future was. And, and their owners hated it that Paul and Silas delivered her from that prison. They did something good. And yet here we find Paul and Silas are beaten within an inch of their life, are chained to a wall, probably stretched in an uncomfortable position because that's what they like to do. They were stripped naked and there they are in prison. Today, as we, uh, as we look at God's word, I, I believe... Oftentimes, we think following Jesus will make our life better and easier and more carefree. We think, uh, man, if I'm going to church, if I'm reading my Bible, if I, if I am serving maybe with Valley Kids, I'm giving, I, I'm praying, I'm faithful, man, life is going to be easier. Don't we think that sometimes? Can I just be honest? I think that way sometimes. We think that life will be easier, that maybe we, we will deserve more good things, okay? Can I tell you, that is, that is a religion, but it is not Christianity. It's actually more closely related to Buddhism and karma. We do good things, you get good things. Do good things, you get good things. You do bad things, you get bad things, okay? It's more closely related to Buddhism. That is not what following Jesus is all about. And we learn that here in this passage, that you can be following Jesus and you can still end up in the middle of a mess. And that's what I titled our message this morning, In the Middle of a Mess. What do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of a mess? Can I just help you understand what following Jesus is for a moment? beginning with some of his words. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said this, he said, I have said to you these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. He's giving you these words. He's telling you, hey, this is what to expect. If you're a follower of me, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. In this world, you are going to have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Don't we wish that that was our reality right now? You know, as followers of Jesus, what, what we call this is the already, not yet Okay, because you're like, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, man. He's overcome the world, and yes, praise God, but yet bad things happen. Tragic things happen, man. You, you've gone through some things this week that you're like, some of you may be questioning your faith, like, is God really good? Is, is He really there? Is He really going to get you out of this? 
And, and, and sometimes it's our attitude in the way that we're approaching things because the reality is, is God has not returned and created a new heaven and a new earth yet. He's won the victory for our sins, but yet we still live in this world that is bound in sin. You know, it, it was Paul who actually made a list of some of the problems that he went through, okay? And I want to read this list for you. If you want to turn there, it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Keep your finger where we're at, though, in the book of Acts, because what he, what he said was he, he gave us a list of all the problems that, that he faced, and uh, it's, it's pretty incredible what he said. He said five times, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24, it says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day, a night and a day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, in danger from, from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil, hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Man, if somebody had been through hardship, it was this man right here. This man that we find in prison right here in this book of Acts. Give your life to Jesus, they said. It will be great, they said. And yet they find themselves here in this place. Well, sometimes when we have problems happen to us, can I just, can I just be honest? We, we question God. We start asking questions like, God, why did you do this to me? God, are you really good? God, why did you put me in this situation? Why did you let this happen? God, how are you going to get me out of this? And sometimes what I, I believe that we need to do when, when, we, when we have these questions is that we need to change our perspective on our problems. And that's what I want to help us do today. Because while we're asking God, why did you bring me here? God is there oftentimes saying, I've placed you here exactly where I want you. I brought you to this place for a good purpose. And so what we, what we see right away here in this passage, and we're going to explore as we read on, is this, and I'm going to bring it up on the screen. It's, it's this quote that I came across this week. It says this, just because you are not where you want to be does not mean that you are not where you are supposed to be. Just because you're not where you want to be does not mean that you are not where you are supposed to be. Just because it doesn't feel good, just because it's painful, just because you're sad, it's because it's hard, because because it hurts, does not mean that that's not the place that God wants you to be in that moment. Let's keep on going. As we read on in the text in verse 25, it says that about midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. That's what they're doing. And the prisoners are listening to them. Okay, I want you to picture this. It's midnight. They're all chained up, okay? 
And what are they doing? <laughs> it's an ungodly hour to be singing. But man, they're singing, amazing grace. Hey, come on, Silas, sing along with me. How sweet the sound. Hey, man, that's a little low, okay? Let's sing that part about the chains. My chains are gone. Come on, help me out. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Hey, let's sing another one. How about, how about, um, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, right? And they just kept on going all night long when all of a sudden what happened? Read on in the text. It says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors in the prison were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Chains fall off. Wow, they're gone. They are out of there, okay? Prison Break, I love that show, okay? Who's watched it? I, don't, I can't recommend it as a pastor, but just personally, it's a good one, okay? <laughs> All right. Man, if, 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 if you were in prison, wouldn't you just run? Yeah, okay, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but man, they're in prison, they're praising, they're worshiping their way out of it, and look what happens as they worship. An earthquake happens, their bonds are broken, the doors fall off, and man, their worship has turned into a weapon, hasn't it? That's point number one. If you're in the middle of a mess, worship is a weapon. If you're in the middle of a mess, worship is a weapon. Some of you need to hear that right now because where you're at does not feel good. And the last thing that you feel like is worshiping. But man, as, as we read this passage, as, uh, as, as you see what happened to Paul and Silas, man, as they're, they're, they're not, not asking God, how can I get out of this? How can I get through this? How are you going get, to get me over this? No, they're worshiping. And their worshiping turns into, into an outbreak of God's miraculous wonders, okay? Sometimes when we go through hardship, we ask ourselves, God, what is your will in all of this? Do you want to know what God's will is? God's will is this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Man, they were doing that, weren't they? <laughs> Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Can I just encourage you right now, if you're in the middle of a mess, what does God want for you? What is God's will for you in the middle of your mess? It's to rejoice and it's to praise and it's to pray without ceasing, to say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but God, I know who you are. And so God, I know that you are good. And so I'm going to praise you and I'm going to worship you in the middle of this mess. I may not be out of it. I may be surrounded by it, but God, I know that you are still good. That's point number one. Worship is a weapon. If you're in the middle of a mess, worship is a weapon. Number two, and I love this one. As we move on, we see that worship is actually a witness. 
Worship is a witness. As we read, read on, if you think about it, they're all locked up. <laughs> you know, they've got these chains on. All of a sudden, they fall off. They're released from their bonds. The doors are blasted wide open. They can go free. They can run. And the question for us today is this, why didn't they run? Why didn't Paul and Silas and the rest of the prisoners just hightail it out of that prison, say, see ya, I'm out of here, you know, we're gone, okay, prison break. Well, I believe that even though the miracle was for them, it was not about them. Even though this miracle was for them, it was not about them. There was someone there in that prison that needed the life and hope of Jesus Christ. And so even though the miracle was for them, it was not about them. Read on verse 27. If you got your Bibles, we're going to keep on reading. It says, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Side note on this. Why would he do something like this? Because back then, if you were a jailer and your prisoner escaped, you then received the sentencing that that prisoner had. If they escaped on your watch, you then got that. They were in for life. You got life. If you, they were in for 10 years. You got 10 years. Whatever it may have been, the sentencing that that escaped prisoner had, that was not now on you. Can you think of it? A whole prison of escaped prisoners wow, that'd be enough to just say, yeah, my life is over. And that's what this man was thinking. My life is over. Keep on reading. I lost my place. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, 29, 28, 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Paul and Silas, they had experienced that incredible miracle. But even though the miracle was for them, it was not about them because there was this man who they were to bless. They had been blessed in order to be a blessing. They had been saved in order to preach the message of salvation. They had been freed in order to bring this man freedom. And that's why they were there. You want to know why they did not run? It's because they had a calling a calling upon their life that they were to preach the gospel, to preach Jesus wherever they were. And so their calling led them to a choice, and that choice was to continue, to stay, to stay faithful to what God had called them to do. Paul, actually, he said that about himself. If you look in Romans chapter 1, he writes about himself, and he says this. Says this. He says, Paul, he's introducing himself, a servant of Christ Jesus, according um, Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, that means one who is sent, set apart for the gospel of God. You notice that one word in there? Called. Called to be an apostle. That calling led them to that choice to stay. 
You know, when, we, when you think about your calling, your calling is more important than your comfort. Your calling is more important than, than your comfort. And Paul and Silas, they show us that. Some of you, I believe, at the point in life that you're at right now, maybe you're going through something really hard and you need to make a really hard decision. Should I stay or should I go? Maybe you're making a decision about your marriage. Maybe you're making a decision about your kids or your family. Maybe there's, maybe there's something toxic going on. And uh, man, I'm not, I'm not telling you that you have to keep on enduring a toxic relationship with people that are, that are bad. But man, sometimes God has placed you there for a reason, for a purpose. Maybe it's where you work. Maybe it's just living here in the valley. Maybe you're around some people that, man, are bad influences, and, and man, you're like, should I stay or should I go? Maybe it's your school. Maybe, um, maybe it's even, sometimes this is the case, maybe it's even a church. And you're just like, yeah, should I stay in church or should I go? I'm kind of done with it. And a lot of people, I, I know some of you guys have even come to Valley Church after kind of being done with church for a while. Should I stay? Or should I go? Sometimes I believe what God is going to do is He is going to call you to stay, not for you, but for those that are around you that need to hear the hope of Jesus. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. But man, as you're looking over that fence and you're seeing, oh, the grass is greener over there. Can I just tell you something? The grass is not greener. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this is a funny story from experience. But we had a, we had a point with us here, here at this church where we thought, maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. You know, and we, we left and we, we went to another church to, to minister there. And I believe God had his purpose for that. But this is funny. You know how God uses people in some ways that you'll never forget? Do you remember Brandon Collins, the, the worship pastor? Some of you guys remember him. He came in, and he, he led uh, Valley Worship for, for a while, and um, man, did, just did a great work with them. But he stayed in touch with me. He texted me a few days after we had gotten to where we were going, and he said, hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Um, describe Describe your new, you, you know, this new place with three words. Just, just tell me how it's going with just three words. And you know what I said? Grass ain't greener. <laughs> just throwing it out there, okay? You guys think it's going to be greener somewhere else. It's going to have the same problems. It's going to have the same kind of people. It's going to have the same kind of issues. Sometimes you think that if you move somewhere else, or if you, you find different people to associate with, that, that your life will change when what you've got to change is actually on the inside. You need to change what's going on inside first. Now, sometimes God will ask you to stay. I'll tell you, last week we talked about how God will sometimes ask you to go. Remember that? Paul had done both. He had gone, but yet then he stayed. He stayed faithful to where God had called him to go. Even though he had been through all that junk, all that hurt, all that pain, man, if, if, if you experienced probably just one of those things, man, you'd probably be ready to throw it in. 
But Paul knew he had a calling upon his life, and that calling led him to a choice, and that was to stay. Well, the jailer asked in verse 30, let's go back to that. When he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? It's a great question. A question that I deserve, we, we need to talk about. And what they responded with was, was this, and it's a simple message of the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household, okay? Some of you may be here right now, and you may be asking that same question. What do I need to do to be saved? It's the same question. And their response was this, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Now, let's, let's understand what that means for a second. Because for this, for this jailer, maybe he didn't understand right away. And it says, it goes on to say that they, they went into his house, they, they proclaimed the word of the Lord to him, and, and through that process, you know, he came to understand who is Jesus. And so, let's just talk about who is Jesus, and why do we need to believe on him? Why do we need to believe in him? Well, Jesus, he is the Son of God. Who is God? God is our Creator. He is holy. He is perfect. He's spotless, without sin. And he created this world to be that perfect place. We talked about that. Perfect place without sin or shame or, or pain or sadness or death. But yet, in an instant, all that changed. Adam and Eve, who, they had, who God had placed in the garden, he gave them one rule. He said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent, serpent Satan deceived Eve. She ate from the tree, being deceived. And then Adam, he came to the tree, and he ate willingly, disobeying God. And it says at that moment, their eyes were open. And um, they realized that they were naked. They were full of shame. And what did they do? They hid. It reminds you, if, whenever you're, you're doing something sinful, what do you do? You try and cover it up. You hide. You're just like Adam and Eve. We're just like Adam and Eve. That's who we are. We're sinful. We're full of shame. And we all feel that, don't we? We feel dirty inside. That's who we feel like we are. How do we get over that? What Scripture says is that what we deserve for our sin is death. The wages of sin, Scripture says, is death. It's eternal separation from God. But it says in Scripture also that Jesus loved us even while we were in our sin. And I can just imagine that Paul and Silas may have shared some of these words with them, with, with this family, because, uh, you know, what Jesus did is that he was born onto this world. He lived a perfect life. He, like, became like a lamb, a perfect lamb, who, who had done nothing to deserve the wrath and punishment of God like we do. And he died as a substitute for us. It says in Scripture that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He took upon himself our sin. He took upon himself our shame, what we deserve before a holy God. And that's what he did. He died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later proving his power over death and hell and sin, and then he promises that he's going to return, and he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and things will be the way that God created them to be. But he says this, Jesus said about himself, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father 
but through me. And so as Paul and Silas are answering this, this simply small question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Their response was this, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so if you're asking that same question today, that's the same answer that you can have as well. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you've believed on him, if you've placed your faith in him, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, he will forgive your sins. He will cleanse you with his blood. He'll make you new. He'll put his Holy Spirit within you so that you can follow him. And you can do that today. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Did you notice any hesitation though? Let's keep on reading because no, there wasn't. As we read on, what we see is as they spoke the word of the Lord to him, verse 32, all who were in, and, all, and, all, and to all who were in his house, and he took them that same hour of the night. This was immediate. And they washed their wounds, and he was baptized as one, at once, he and all of his family. And then he brought them into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Man, what an awesome story. And something that sometimes I think we forget. God can change a life in an instant, and he can change your life in an instant, just like that Philippian jailer. You may be feeling, man, life is not worth living. Man, I've gone through so much pain. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, how to get through this, get over this. But what Jesus is telling you is that I am the way. I am the truth. I am your life. And if you trust in me, you can have hope for eternity. And so if you're asking that question today, maybe that same question as the Philippian jailer, what do I need to do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Not from trouble. Let's remember that. Not from trouble, not from the pain that we endure, the sadness, the tears that you're going to shed this week, you know, the struggle that you're going to go through. Not from hardship, but man, to an eternal life with God forever in heaven. And here's a promise I want you to hold on to in Scripture. It says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Man, don't we long for that day? Don't you long for that day? If you know Jesus and you're just experiencing death right now, man, you can long for that day because it's coming. It's the already, not yet. You can turn your worship into a weapon. And man, worshiping God in the difficulty that you're going through right now, it can be a witness to others. And so let's pray and let's seek God and let's move forward with that as our focus. Jesus, you're going to return. You're going to come back. You're going to make all things new. Death and sadness and sickness and pain will be no more. In the middle of mess, what do we do? 
we worship. And so let's pray together. Why don't we, um, why don't we just stand right now? Stand as a congregation. Let's, let's, let's pray together. Let's seek God's face. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that in, a, in the middle of a mess, Lord, you came down. You came down into the middle of our mess. And God, you sent your son Jesus into it to save us and to make us new and to restore this place and to restore us to all, God, that you designed this to be. So God, we seek that and we worship you for that. And we thank you, God, that if we find ourselves in the middle of a mess, God, that sometimes all we can do is worship. God, that you'll make things right in the end. And so we trust you for that. As you keep on praying today, maybe, um, maybe I'll just say you're finding yourself in the middle of a mess. You're finding yourself asking God to get you out of a situation. Can I ask you, have you asked God to come into your situation? And if you'd like to do that right now, if you would like to pray, God, don't move me, use me. Just raise up your hand. In whatever situation you're in right now, just, just praying, God, God, I want you to use me. I want to worship you in the middle of a mess. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that you'll trust and hold on to the mighty hand of God in this time. God, I pray for all these that are here struggling. God, I pray that they would hold fast to you, that they would worship you. And God, you turn that worship into a weapon to defeat the enemy and to declare victory wherever, wherever there is there's disorder, wherever there is pain, God, that they would, they would worship you in that. God, that you do things that are beyond all that we ask or think. think. But even if you don't, God, that we continue to worship you and consider you as good, as our good God. God, I, I, I pray that you would come into their situation. And God, that their worship would be a witness for others that are hurting and lost and broken. So Lord, whatever you're doing, use it for your kingdom and for your glory. So keep on praying today. You may be also here, and like I said, you may be, be asking, what do I need to do to be saved? And, and, and here's your opportunity. I just want to give you an opportunity not to, not to leave here with no hope, but to say, Jesus, I believe in you. Just as the answer of Paul and Silas was to that jailer, what do I need to be saved? What do I need to do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. If that is you, you can come to Jesus right now. You can confess your sins. And what scripture says is everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you want to call upon his name today, just raise up your hand. I'd like to lead you just in a prayer of faith. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. I'd like to lead you just in a prayer just to seek God. Anybody else? Right, so those with us here, and maybe maybe if you're just in this church and you just want to reaffirm, man, what you believe, just pray out and thank God. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I need you as my Savior. 
I believe that you endured the cross. You died in my place to cleanse me of my sin. Lord Jesus, make me new. Fill me with your spirit so that I can know you and serve you. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.